Turn up the radio and sing along. It's time for another great song. This is the Great Song Podcast. Season's greetings and welcome once again to the Great Song Podcast. I'm Rob Alley. I am JP Mosier. We're here to celebrate the spookiest <laughs> songs of all time. Uh, no, the greatest the greatest songs in modern music history. We're going to tell you what makes them great, why we think they're awesome, and why you should too. JP, how you doing, man? Man, I'm doing fantastic. Happy Halloween, folks. Happy Halloween. Trim up that beard, embrace the lower register, and let's oom-pop a mow-mow <laughs> our way through the perfect Halloween song with a legend. Rob, tell them what song we're talking about, who we're hanging out with, and play a little. Today, the Halloween thing is a little bit of a stretch, but it's... It, it still is perfect. We brought it a day early for you guys. We did. We're talking to William Lee Golden of the Oak Ridge Boys with their classic song, Elvira. I'm scared already. <laughs> I'm trembling. <laughs> Ooh. Elvira. Elvira. The most unscary song. <laughs> <laughs> My heart. Drums by the uh, uh, Showbiz Chucky Pizza, Pizza, Pizza Band. Yes. Yes. Rock a fire explosion, bringing it in. <laughs> it's so robotic and like pocket, <laughs> that it, but it probably was not recorded with a click track. No way. Maybe a metronome. Somebody's probably holding a metronome at his ear. (laughs) Human metronome. All right, hit him with that oom papa mau mau. Giddy up, oom papa oom papa mau mau. Giddy up, oom papa oom papa mau mau. Oh, yeah. That is Elvira by the Oak Ridge Boys. Uh, you can change your pants now if it was too scary. <laughs> if it got you, you can pause and just go. If you soiled yourself, pause and come back. Um, but uh, we thought, okay, we, we when we said, okay, we're doing Elvira. Yeah. We're talking with William Lee Golden of the Oak Ridge Boys. We're going to do an El- Elvira episode. We were like, you got to put it on Halloween for no other reason than we grew up with the character Elvira on television. Yes. Um, who has nothing to do with this song. Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Yes, Mistress the- of the Dark. Um, and th- this is, you know, the song is about a woman named Elvira. <laughs> it's to a woman named Elvira. And I, as a kid. But me and Rob, we talked about this, like, when we heard it. Yeah, we thought. We it, just assumed. Yeah, that, it's about her. Yeah, because this this song came out. Uh, in 1981, it's from the album Fancy Free, and so this song has been around our whole lives. And at that point, El- Elvira was as a character becoming a thing, and so we just assumed that they went together, right? We were not s- smart enough, world wise enough, to understand that two different things could exist, Mister Worldwise. Yeah, with with the same uh, Elvira, but Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, uh, aka, do we even want to say her real name? Do we want to break Ooh. that kayfabe? And, and her name is Cassandra Peterson, uh, born September 17th, 1951. And she was, um, there, there is an actual movie 
starring her called Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. That's like, you know. Um, Have you seen that, it? No, never seen it. Never seen it. My exposure to Elvira was, was it USA Network? I think it was on some sort of. Like on cable. Yeah. She hosted a, 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 a series called Elvira's Movie Macabre, a weekly presentation of like, you know, not great horror yeah, movies, yeah. like B movie yeah. level, you know, not the B movie like DreamWorks. Not animation. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah, like B level. That would be movies, awesome. You know? Elvira doing commentary of B movie. Yeah. <laughs> B movie, yes. Um, and uh, so yeah, she she hosted that. I, I feel like it was on like USA Network, um, but I also may be conflating that with um, oh gosh, what's her name? Uh, Rhonda Shear, who came later, yeah. who did uh, USA Up All Night. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, okay. yeah, I which that. was kind of the same vibe. Like yeah. she, she was like a hot hostess, and yeah, you know, I forgot whatever. about that. So I don't know if I'm confusing those two things. Either way, Elvira, but she definitely hosted Elvira's uh, movie macabre that was a uh, B movies, and um, but she was like a sketch comedian, you know, and and uh, she was from a she was a member of the Groundlings, which is like a famous, I think, Southern California, L.A. based uh, sketch comedy troupe that a lot of your favorite comedy actors and actresses have have come through the groundlings so she really was a a comedian first and you watch it you know the thing like it, it the the whole the whole deal with elvira and hosting these horror movies was that it was kind of a uh a winky you know thing that like we know these movies are bad you know what i mean and she's kind of being comedic about yeah. like about ooh, it's so scary you know uh-huh. what i mean like that kind of stuff so um and she wasn't bad to look at, you know, that's, that was part of the appeal of, uh, of or Elvira for sure. And now I imagine you could probably meet her at like comic cons yeah, and stuff like, like that. Those, Surely. Yeah. Right. I don't know if she like shows up in character or anything. I, people probably expect her to like show up in full makeup and everything. She basically had the Morticia Adams yeah. look. That's a right? great comparison. The, like. the pasty, you know, all black with long black mm-hmm. hair and super white, you know, super white makeup. Um, so yeah, that's kind of Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. So happy Halloween! <laughs> that's uh, our, that's the way we bring you. To happy Halloween. Halloween to Cassandra Peterson wherever she's at today. Uh, let's get into the song Elvira by the Oak Ridge Boys from the album Fancy Free in 1981. A fine looking record. JP's holding it on <laughs> vinyl. I wonder if this is Elvira. Uh, you think there's a girl on the inside who looks like nothing like how we would picture Elvira. That looks like one of the unused covers of that Cars album. Yeah, right. Yeah, the, you know the one. I can't remember the which which the name of the album, but she that's what she looks like. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah, just a different angle, alternate take. They're like, you know, we got these photos that of we've had cars them. and like a girl driving yep. with sunglasses. Y'all want them? Like yeah. we got the one we need. Yeah. Uh, I, I wonder if this came out first, 1981. Uh, which we, I can't remember what it's year around the that, same time. that Cars album came out. Yeah, it's the same time. But it might have been like so 82, 83 on the Cars album. on this. The, the front like, cover is like them sitting in an old, uh, uh, you know, a classic car. And yeah. There's all kinds of pink space. Very They're pink. like, we need more space of pink. Yes. Like, let's lower them in the photo. That's right, yeah. If, yeah. If y'all visualize, if they're like, we only want to use half of the album cover for yes. humans and the rest <laughs> just pink. Yes. It's like 70% just pink background <laughs> and then like 30% boys. You yeah. Know? Um, so yeah, the, let's see Elvira went, uh, it was a huge hit, a crossover hit, uh, went to number five on the hot 100. So that means that's the mark of a crossover. If yeah. you start, if a country song, you know, back then, especially is charting on the hot 100, yeah. that already shows you that it's crossover, but to hit number five, 
uh, is really impressive. Went to number eight on the adult contemporary chart. And of course, number one on the hot country songs uh, chart. It went to number one on the Cashbox Top 100, number one on the Canadian country charts, and number 26 overall in Canada, crossed over in Canada, uh, number 13 on the Canadian adult contemporary charts as well. And this isn't the like the 50s when this is hitting. Yeah. This is like, there's this isn't pop, you know. This is <laughs> right. Like, it's so different than anything that would be on on crossover radio as well. Yeah, for sure. And this even did something that most country crossovers don't do, and that is it crossed over internationally. It went to number 13 in New Zealand, number 87 in Australia. And usually at this time, Mm -hmm. pre-internet, you don't see that kind of crossover. Pre-Keith Urban. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Um, You're not seeing that. It was the number one, uh, excuse me, it was the number 31 Billboard song for all of 1981. Like, that's awesome. That's how that's how big Elvira was. It the single is certified two times platinum. That means sales of two million or more in the United States. Um, but it is not the original version. The Oak Ridge Boys uh, version is not the original. The original version was recorded in 1966 by Dallas Frazier. Um, and it to me sounds more like a Ray Stevens song. It's this close to being a joke. Got that big fire really, yeah. Eyes that look like a heaven and lips like a cherry wine. You hear what I'm saying? Like, she can show enough to make my little light shine. I haven't listened to any other Dallas Frazier to know if that's his real voice or if that's character voice. Yeah, it sounds like a it sounds like a put on character. Yes. And then you have let's see, let's see what the um papa mau mau sound like in this version. Okay, no. That's right. You know, so that very different register. It very much feels to me like a Ray Stevens song, like yeah. an early early era Ray Stevens. You know where he's doing that. Uh, um, what's this? Oh gosh. Do you have that run-down feeling? Yeah. Does your head go reeling? That one, yeah. you know what I mean? That Jeremiah, hold on, Jeremiah Peabody's polyunsaturated, quick-dissolving, fast-acting, pleasant-tasting green and purple pills. That is the name of that song. Well done, Rob. And Thank for all things much. Ray Stevens, go back and listen to us uh, hang out with Ray Stevens a few seasons ago. Well, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's red. Uh, it was also, Elvira, uh, the debut single for Rodney Crowell in 1978. I was not aware of that. Um, he cut it as the number as, as his debut single, and it went to number 95 on the Hot Country Songs chart. Did not chart the same. Um, do, do you think that the secret sauce for Elvira is in the Oom Papa Mau Mau's th- in the bass register. I think so. I mean, I think it's definitely gives it a leg up. Everybody likes to sing it. Yeah. Whether you have that register in your natural register or not, you find it. Yeah. Like girls sing it that way. <laughs> Everybody sings it. It's true. And what's so what's crazy is it it gets lower than it starts. So the first chorus is what we heard, but it actually gets an octave plus lower than that later in the song. And the... The lowest note actually sung on the Oom Papa Mau Mau's is sung after a key change that goes up up because he drops the octave. So the second time, let's just play it and I'll explain. Okay, so first time through, 
Okay, now, so we've got that in a in a bass register, but that's actually not so low. Mm-hmm. Okay, like I can hit those notes, but if I sing it, it comes out like this: oom papa, oom papa, mal mal. That's the same notes, uh-huh. right? But there's a there's a sound to a to a bass singer's voice. Yeah. You know, oom papa, mal. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh-huh. It's like a certain color yep. that they have that regular people. It makes it feel lower. It does. It's it like makes that it, note sounds way. It's lower. like they're bringing out. I don't know if it's like an overtones thing or uh-huh. it's a. But it's definitely a, you know what I mean? It's the it's the difference in like Sam Elliott versus, yeah, you know what I mean? Right? Because all that is Elliot. is that oom, pop. Perfect. Right? That's, that's it. <laughs> yeah. So it's like that's oom, pop, and mow, mow. That's yeah. not that low. Yeah. But the, but the delivery is feels lower. But now what he does on the second chorus, second chorus is in the same key, but he drops down the second mow, mow. Okay, so he got, he drops down the, the the octave just for the second mal mal. Okay, let's get there. So this is still the same as the first time. Now he's gonna drop here. That's okay, a, yeah. Now that's when you go, whoa, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, no, that guy's a man. Your brain registers it low the first uh-huh. time because of the way he sings it. Then he drops it an octave, and you yeah. go, whoa. That guy drinks bush light. <laughs> <laughs> and lots of it. That's when you're, I, 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 I can't even fake that note, yeah. right? Um, even in my girly voice. Um, and so then they take it up. And after they take it up, you actually get the the lowest note because he's only dropping that root note. Oom, papa, bow, mow. Right? That's that's the same note, an octave down. So if we're in the key of, I forget what key this song's in. It feels like maybe A flat, A. Um, so if we're, let's let's find out. Hang on. Might even be C. <laughs> that's so far away. You're like A flat, maybe C. Yeah. <laughs> Our brain tells me it's C. It is C. It's C. Okay, so we're in the key of C. So he's oom papa. His his high note oom papa mao is a B is flat, a- but he's not hitting that when he drops down the octave, right? He's going oom papa mao mao. Same note oom papa mao mao. So that's just a lower C. Okay. Okay. So once they go up, then he sings the whole thing down. So his lowest note now in the key of D flat when they go up. Oh, it'll be the half step below the C. It's the, it's the flat, flat seven okay, yeah. of D flat, which is a B. So yes. he's going to giddy up a oom pop, a oom pop, a mow, mow, right? The, so that's what we're going to get when we go up. Key change half step up. Okay. And then we're getting. That's such a crazy concept. Now he's going to go all the way down. All right. That's awesome. So you get there, you get there, and then they're going to go up again. But yeah. like, that's, but the, that's, the lowest. that's the actual lowest note. That's he awesome. hits that. He hits that. It's after a key change up. Yeah. I love that After so the key much. change that goes up. Yeah. Um, that lowest note is a B zero. That is the second lowest B on a piano keyboard. If you start at the very bottom of an 88 key piano, <laughs> that is the second B that you come to. That first B is so low that it's almost like inaudible. Your, uh-huh. your ears can barely register that, yeah. you know. So that is the, 
the second lowest B uh, on a piano. So then they and then they end up in in D, maybe even E flat. That's got to be one of the lowest notes sung on a charting song. That <laughs> that's, might be. That's like, a great observation. It definitely uh, is is there. There's something about you know we were talking about is is the bass the secret sauce, but there's also something to that four part gospel harmony, right? Which the other versions didn't have. Yeah. That is appealing. It's so good when you put a good quartet together and their voices blend the right way. Um, it's, you know, it's kind of a magical thing. Like yeah. it'll, it'll do things to you that you can't fully understand. Um, and that's what the Oak Ridge boys were, yeah. right? They, they were a, um, I'm, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but they actually began in the forties, the original lineup as a gospel quartet in Knoxville, Tennessee. There we go. They were called Wally Fowler and the Georgia Clodhoppers <laughs> from Knoxville, Tennessee. Okay, but they were Wally Fowler and the Georgia Clodhoppers. <laughs> and those of y'all that aren't as familiar with East Tennessee geography, Oak Ridge is just outside Knoxville. Right. It's basically borders Knoxville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, like a deep Knoxville suburb. You know, If you ever go there, eat at Big Ed's Pizza. Okay, there, there you go. go. Um, so they, they sang a lot in Oak Ridge, we're in the mid '40s, so we're like World War II, you know. Uh, and they sang. The Oak Ridge is famous for its nuclear plant. Oak Ridge is a nuclear power plant, and so they would get contracted to come and sing for families who were at the plant but were restricted. They were like your 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 travel, you know, because of this nuclear power thing was new. I think they there was some stuff that like you can't necessarily leave the compound <laughs> yeah i think there was just some stuff so they're so they're like or maybe it was just during the war that they were like we need everybody on you know all hands I, on deck. i have no idea um but they but they got contracted a lot often to sing at the power plant for restricted families during world war ii and they sang there so often then that they rebranded themselves as the oak ridge quartet later on they transitioned to uh country music in the 70s after they put out a successful single with uh johnny cash and the carter family that was called praise the lord and pass the soup um <laughs> and at some point therein they changed their name from the oak ridge quartet to the oak ridge boys because when i think it was when they started started getting into country they're like the quartet thing sounded a little formal they were mm-hmm. trying to modernize the feel a little bit um and these and, boys even though they're wearing ties they're also wearing things that aren't ties in this right. picture. They're not super formal. That's right. There's it's a like cowboy a hat. There's a leather jacket. That's right. There's a yeah leather jacket. Yeah, a cardigan going on there. So. That's right. Um, and so it's it's then that we start to get the the lineup as as currently constituted uh, that sort of still you know that still remains to this day. Um, and while we're talking about, it, why don't we go ahead and meet him? Yeah, let's meet the band. Hey, let's meet the band. It's time to meet the band. Let's meet the band that plays with the Oak Ridge Boys, and let's meet these Oak Ridge Boys. So, as Rob mentioned, the Oak Ridge Boys are just four singers. They yeah. don't play anything. Right. None of them play any instruments, uh, well, at least on the album, yeah, on the yeah. project. I'm sure at home they do and when they're writing songs and such. Um, Joe Bonsall, uh, Dwayne Allen, Richard Sturban, and William Lee Golden are the vocals that make up the Oak Ridge Boys. That's right. So, you've got Handlebar Mustache. That's Joe. <laughs> there you go. Dwayne is like salt and pepper hair. Yeah. This is just how I pick, right? Okay. Uh, William is beard. Beard. He's beard all that's day. Right. The guy from the guy from the Oak Ridge Boys with the big freaking long beard. Yep. That's William. Uh, and often cowboy hat, uh-huh. I think, right? Um, 
And then uh, who am I missing? Oh, uh, the bass singer. Uh, what's his name? Um, so you got Joe, Dwayne, Richard, and William Lee. Yeah. So. Uh, ri- yes, Richard. Richard. Uh, he's your bass singer. Jet black hair. Um, and now, like modern era, he's gone long hair. Yeah. Like he's gone like shoulder length or a little bit longer, which is surprising. It's a it's an odd like it's a cool look. It looked cool, but it's a surprising look for him. But he's got he's got like a face that's like chiseled out of stone. <laughs> he's got like a Sylvester Stallone yeah. look yeah. to his to his face. You know what uh-huh. I mean? Um, and I think. I think he's the shortest member of the group, and he's, he's got the when big When he's singing the, the Um Papa Mouse, he's punching a bag. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's got his hands all taped up and giving, um, giving, it, giving it the business. Yeah. <laughs> so that's uh, that's the Oak Ridge Boys, but I do meet the band. So we're going to yeah. talk about the band. Okay. So let's talk about the band. Let's do it. On drums and percussion, they did both, Kenneth A. Buttry and Jerry Kerrigan. On bass, John C. Williams, sing along to that bass line, folks. Like while you're playing, listen along and sing along to the bass as it's walking, as it's walking along with it. Acoustic and electric guitars, guitars galore throughout this album. And I don't know who plays necessarily on this track, so I'm just going to list all five of them Barry Burton, James Capps, Chip Young, Billy Sanford, and Reggie Young. Um, on steel guitar, Weldon Myrick. What a great name for a steel player. Weldon. Weldon Myrick. That's a great name for a steel player. Yeah. On keyboards, Ron Oates. No relation to John that I know of. Um, On banjo, Bobby Thompson. No relation to the baseball player that hit the shot hurt around the world. (laughs) The Giants win the pennant. The Giants win the pennant. Willie Mays was on deck, actually, on that. I don't know if you know that fact. I did not know that. Trumpet. Harrison Calloway Jr. Not to be confused with his father, Harrison Calloway Sr. Of course. Trombone. (laughs) Charles Rose. No relation to Pete Rose. Saxophone. There's two of them that play on this album. Harvey Thompson and Ronnie Eads. What a great name for that guy's name. His name is R. Eads. So it's like Reeds. Reeds. That's awesome for somebody that plays a, a wind instrument. Uh, oboe, Bobby G. <laughs> Taylor. Uh, now, an oboe is a thing you don't necessarily expect to hear uh, on, right. a, on an Oak Ridge, Oak Ridge Boys album. Boys. Okay, and then strings. Listen to all these people that played strings. John David Boyle, Marvin Chantry, Roy Christensen, Connie Ellison, Carl... Anyway, Lenny, Sheldon, Curlin, Dennis, Samuel, Gary, Stephanie. There's a bunch of them. Okay, so you've got a, you've got a symphony orchestra and there's is a, what you've got here. And there's a guy named D. Burgeon White that gets credit for string arrangements. He didn't have to play. He just had to arrange all those. Okay, yeah. So that's your band. <laughs> you made that sound like it's not a difficult like thought, job. All he had to do was get up there and direct. <laughs> he just had to point. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so that's the band that backs the Oak Ridge Boys. There we go. It takes a village. It, it takes, takes a, a village. It takes a whole village and a symphony to get these, to get these boys Doing Oak Ridgeon. Doing yeah. To get him at full peak Oak Ridge, you know? <laughs> um let's see. All right, let me go back a little bit and talk about kind of the origin of the song and, and that kind of stuff. Um a so it was written by uh Dallas Frazier. Um the origin of the song is is kind of funny. Uh, there's a guy named Ray Baker who worked on the original track by Dallas Frazier, uh, and he said, according to Song Facts, that uh Ray Baker, who was a publisher, he was driving with Dallas Frazier, who wrote it, and he nearly ran a red light in Madison, Tennessee, here in kind of your backyard, um, at the corner of Gallatin Road and Elvira Street. Ah. There's an Elvira Street in Madison. And Dallas looked up at the street sign and basically just sings the chorus of what's become Elvira. He just starts singing, Elvira, Elvira, and just joking, I guess, my heart's on fire 
Well, Vira, and he's got the chorus. Boom, done. And he's like, well, okay. So I'll finish the song, and it becomes this, you know, song that awesome. that twenty years later or fifteen years later becomes a, a legendary. Why does it feel? Why does nineteen sixty six to nineteen eighty one feel like a long time? Absolutely, but it's not because we were born in eighty one, and it feels like the sixties were like so long, we're so ago. long ago. That's what it is. Yeah, but it's it was fifteen years. Yeah, it's not. That's hilarious. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the Oak Ridge Boys recorded in '81. Dwayne Allen said, uh, "Who is also beard most of the time, not always, but Dwayne Allen is salt and pepper hair beard." Um, said not not William Lee Golden no, beard, uh, very like, manicured beard. Yeah, manic- manicured face shaped beard. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, he said he heard it once back in the day and never forgot it, and that's how you know. That you've written That's a, a hook, hit, yeah. right? That's like you've, yeah, you've got an unfor- literally unforgettable hook that you remember 15 years later yeah, after hearing awesome. it one time. One time yeah. uh, and that's definitely true of this song. I read in my research that they did a live version with a guy named Tim Duncan. Okay. And uh, who was the bass singer for a Southern gospel group called Ernie Haas and Signature Sound. Um, but no, he's not. To us, Tim Duncan is. Tim Duncan is the Hall of Fame center and power forward for, for the, the San, San Antonio, Antonio Spurs, Spurs, right? Okay. Um, so I thought, okay, we got to try and assemble a Southern Gospel quartet made of NBA athletes. And I freaking love this. Okay. This is one of my favorite things that Rob's ever thrown. Okay. So, so this is going to be fun for us. All right. So do you want to go? Should we go? I'll go first. Bass, uh, tenor, baritone, lead, like, and bounce them back I, and forth? I went bass, all? lead, tenor, baritone. Okay. That's how right. I did mine, if that's cool with okay, you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Which is uh, so. Bass. Okay, bass. We'll, we'll go alternating fashion. Okay. My bass singer is Muggsy Bogues. And it's <laughs> tricky because most would think he would sing the high part yeah, yeah, yeah. based on his short, tiny stature. But he actually comes out and shocks the crowd with his incredibly deep voice. <laughs> like uh, like on Austin Powers uh, was the second one where, where they're singing just the two of us. And yeah. Minnie Me comes Minnie out me, with the bass uh, voice. Vern. You and I. Yeah, that's right. That's hilarious. From well, the I, I had frown. I, <laughs> I kept Tim Duncan okay. because I just thought, okay, if we're going to go with that's, it, let's that's, keep that's Tim Duncan on bass. Okay, so completely opposite bass vocals. Okay, lead vocal carries the melody. So I'm going with Wilt Chamberlain, and okay. here's why. He has what I think to be the greatest stat in NBA history. Okay. He averaged 50-plus points a game for an entire season. Holy smokes. For a season. Think about that for a minute. NBA games are 48 minutes long. Yeah. So he played... Lots of overtime games mm-hmm. and scored all the freaking time before the three point line. Before the three point line, he had 65 30 plus point games that year. And get that, that this season he averaged 48.5 minutes a game. And there's 48 minutes in a regulation game. They played so many overtime games. Wow. And he never came out. Holy So smokes. that's my lead vocals. And the most unrecognized stat about Wilt Chamberlain is he never fouled out of a game. Never. Never. That's control. Wow. So that's who I want is my lead vocalist. A hundred and four or excuse me, one thousand forty five consecutive games without fouling out. Dang. That's my lead vocalist. That is unbelievable. Will Chamberlain. Wow. Okay. Mine is mostly based off of picturing them in a suit. Okay. And how they would look together and yeah. what part they look like they sure. would be okay. in a Southern Gospel quartet yeah. in, a, in a group. Visually, okay. okay. Uh, and we haven't really talked about the, the we, I think we talked about this a little bit with with William, but the, the bass parts in a quartet, you've got the bass part, which is the low part. Mm-hmm. You've got the baritone, which yep. is the next highest part. 
you've got the lead part, which is typically the third part, and then the tenor. what they call the tenor, which is going to be the high part. Yeah. And so in, in truth, if you're putting together like a choir, typically in choir you have soprano, highest, alto, uh, tenor, bass, right? And then you might have baritones kind of in between tenor. So normally tenor is a lower part, but in gospel music, the tenor is the guy that's singing the high. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> that's that's and that's Dwayne in the in the yeah. Oak Ridge Boys. Yeah. He's singing the high harmony. It's seriously it what you perfect. look for in a tenor is like how how, how, how squealy can you, can you yeah. get? Looking for a city, <laughs> right? Like. It's the, that's, that's, what, awesome, that's what you want is like yeah. those super high oh, harmonies because at some point in your Southern Gospel scratch that face. concert, you're going to make a thing out of it. Yeah. You're going to make a, 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 a joke, joke. about yeah. how yeah. high he can sing and how low he can sing yeah. and something about fried chicken. Yeah. It's going to happen yeah. every concert and you're going to like look at each other and pat each other on the back. <laughs> the Southern the Southern Gospel concert like economy uh, is hilarious yeah, right yeah. It's the, a, co- the way you, even the congregate i said congregation look yeah. at me even the way the crowd yes talks to each other or yeah. acknowledges each other on funny things it's a it's a whole other universe yeah. you go and watch like a gaither homecoming video or like some you know really a, a high level southern gospel yeah. quartet the cathedrals and it's a it's a it's a whole there's a whole understated choreography to it yeah. that most people probably don't even notice but when you if you you know it's it's one of those things that like something there's a i saw just a uh, last week there's a bo burnham joke about he's starting off a show and he he sets his water bottle down on the um stool next to him and knocks it over and he's like oh crap great start to the show you know what i mean things are going really well and then as he's sitting it back they play this track over the thing and he starts dancing and the track is the track is going he meant to knock the water bottle oh yeah he meant to knock like and it's like nothing is real you know what i mean like just pointing that out like everything is so manicured southern gospel is like that to a certain degree yeah it's like all the jokes are set up they're not accident there's nothing accidental they're the same jokes every night yeah that's right you can go see them in nine cities yeah, and it's going to be nine of the same show with the same accidental and quote joke. That's right. That just happened to happen tonight. That's right. We're going to do that bit where the tenor stretches out a note really far uh-huh. until his face turns red, and we're yeah. going to pat him on the back while he does it. You know, yeah. fan him down uh-huh. and all this stuff. Like yeah. it's going it, to. That's not a one time no. gag. It's happening. It's every, written on a piece of paper <laughs> in the back. Yeah. Like don't forget this. And now it's set up in an Ableton project. Like yeah. there's a click, <laughs> click behind track. it, that's and there's right. going. You know, they're counting the, down his breath two more bars yeah that's right pat him on three two Two, one that's funny that's good. Anyway, a major sidetrack, but hilarious. We okay, never get to who talk looks about good that. in a suit? Uh, yeah, so who looks good in a suit? For me, it was Jason Kidd. Okay, I want yeah. Jason Kidd on lead. He he looks like the lead guy uh-huh, to yeah. me. He doesn't have the highest voice. He doesn't have the lowest Got the voice. the short hair trimmed up. Yeah, he's a good-looking guy. Yep. You know what I mean? He could kind of be the face. Uh-huh, um, and so that's Jason Kidd. I like that. On tenor, which is, that's where I mentioned, the high harmony above the lead. I'm going Steph Curry on this one. Oh. The guy that's a three-point legend. He looks like a tenor. I feel like he looks like he can sing. Okay. I don't know why. I just feel like it looks like Steph Curry can sing. And I feel like any quartet with Steph Curry on it is set up for success. Okay. And since I gave my favorite stats about Will Chamberlain, I got to give one about Steph Curry. There was one game that he went 0 for 11 from three-point range. 
There's nice. only one. There's been one performance that was worse uh, from three. Eric Gordon and a couple others went over twelve. But think about it. That's yeah. confidence. That's yeah. the guy I want hitting that high note. Is somebody that that ain't shying away. Yeah, he's reaching for it. He's going over eleven. Yeah. He may not get there, and, but he's he's trying. That's devastating. If like that's your thing, is like I'm the three point specialist. I'm the three point guy to go over eleven in a game has yeah. got to be just like gut punch. Yeah, but he he's done okay for himself. Yeah, he's done all right. He's done all right. That's, that's probably his rookie year. Yeah, yeah probably. Um, okay. Who's your tenor? My tenor. I went with Kevin Garnett. Okay. Uh, Tall guy. I mean, obviously, all these guys are tall, except for Muggsy Bowes. Yeah, except for five, Muggsy, our base eight, singer. Five, oh, no, 5'2". Five, five, what? Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, Spud Webb was 5'7". Okay, so, wow. Yeah. Okay. Muggsy's like 5'2". Wow. All right. So, yeah, Kevin Garnett, if you've ever heard him on the Anything's Possible, there it is. Yep. then I think, you know, you know, he could probably get it. And that's mostly what I want is... The, you, the the face, uh-huh. the pained face, you know what I mean? Stretching for Re- it. Reading for the high note. <laughs> I wanted, that's, I, I he thought. He kept it the same, anything is possible yeah, already. That's yeah, good. I think Kevin Garnett would look great that's doing good. that. That's good, Don't watch Uncut Gems. Have you seen it? That's the movie no, that he's in with Adam Sandler. Oh, it's a, it's a mess. <laughs> uh, baritone. Okay. Guy basic, the baritone completes the chord, yeah. if you will. So, right. This guy is just there to sing, or in this case play he uh really carries the meat and potatoes now typically i would put this guy as a bass singer as i've heard him talk but the mugsy bogues as a bass singer is just way too funny for me yeah um plus this guy bling brings all the flair so okay. i'm going dennis the worm rodman wow and my favorite dennis the rodman dennis the worm rodman fact is in what game with the san antonio spurs he pulled in 20 rebounds okay. and nothing else. No points, <laughs> no, points. no shots, no assist, just 20 freaking rebounds. Wow. So that's my baritone is okay. Dennis Rodman. Okay. I kind of went opposite end of the spectrum. Okay. I thought baritone is probably your guy with the least flash. Okay. Okay. I thought he's like part wise, it's it's maybe the least sexy part. Okay. Right? Yeah. Um, And it's... It's like the baritone guy. It's just there. Usually, now this is not always the case, but like usually is not leading songs. Uh-huh. It's kind of the, um, it's kind of the most understated part. Yeah. I think in in like this kind of southern gospel setup. You know, he's what I mean? the pad underneath. Yeah, the baritone doesn't often get the most attention. Uh-huh. You know, which is why you might be tempted to grow a beard to your knees and wear big <laughs> cowboy hats. Right, that's kind of how you make your mark that as you the baritone out. guy. Yeah. Right. Um, so I'm like, who's a guy that's just a workman? Okay, that's not gonna like uh, do a lot to to show himself off. Okay. And he's gonna be content to just be there and do a solid job. Okay, and might even be you know the best in the world at it. But he's not one of those people that you just that needs go attention. immediately. Okay. Who is it? Okay. You know what I mean. So I went with Carl Malone. Oh, there you go. Who's the opposite the of Dennis man. Rodman? That's like, right. right. Same position. Yeah. Same similar strengths on the glass, but yeah, but uh, but not flashy. He's at all. just not flashy. Go he's not your guy that's going to like say crazy stuff on yeah, the air or be like whatever. He's going to show up. He's going to look good in his suit. He's going to hit his notes and then he's going to go home. You uh, know? That's good. Uh, well, before we finish this section, I've got an alternate. Okay. Because all good quartets have to have an alternate okay. that can fill in should someone come down with Fair the crew. Yeah. Now, the crew. now, no one wants this guy as the gig is because you never get to play or you never get to sing. You know, uh, you're the alternate. Yeah. You're just there. Um, so I just wanted an excuse to use this favorite NBA stat and okay. try this in. There's a guy named Rajul Butler who played for the Toronto Raptors. Okay. So zero minutes played in a game uh-huh. and had one turnover. <laughs> 
Okay, so in 2012, he was subbed in close game against the Lakers to throw the ball in. He's like, you're just going to throw the ball in. Raptors down one, four seconds left, and he hadn't played all game, and he couldn't get the ball in. So he made a turnover and got a five-second violation. Coach subbed him out, so he had zero minutes, one turnover. That is my alternate, Rasual Butler. That is an incredible stat. That's my favorite stat. I've had that forever, and I'm like, when can I ever share this stat? And here it is. That's amazing. Oh, crud. Okay. Um, I am almost tapped out, but I I've got, got a couple things. Okay, so you want to you want to do stump the genius first, or you want to let let's, me, let let's me give do one, some more info? Let yeah. me give one fact. Um, go listen to minute one twenty four, okay. start of the second verse. All right, and listen. I don't mean this critically, but I kind of listen how lazy the vocal delivery is. It's almost like he forgot the verse melody. Okay, so one twenty four. Go to one twenty four. All right, here you go. Uh, I see. It's like, oh, what's the melody? It's like he forgot it. Yeah, so, it's that's like, funny. I, I'm just gonna jump in. And, yeah, and hope I'm right. And hope like, I'm right. Yeah, 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 it's like I sang it the right the first time, but I don't remember what I just sang. Yeah, it it does almost sound a little bit like he's he's not fully confident either about the melody or the rhythm. Yeah, yeah. One of those things. It's like timing. He's like he doesn't know the song. Yeah, he doesn't know the pocket. <laughs> know the Come but, on, Joe. Yeah, do your homework. That's right. Um, that's really funny. the. Uh, the Coasters song, Searching. Do you look that up? Uh-uh. Play the Coasters song, Searching, from 1957. It was in the movie Iron Giant, uh, 1999 animated film starring Jennifer Aniston, Harry Connick Jr., and Vin okay. Diesel. Play this song. Here we go. Gonna find her. Oh. Oh. Gonna find her. Oh. Uh-huh. I mean, it's there. It's a, yeah, I mean, definitely. And that could have been, obviously, that's from an older, a previous era. So that could have maybe been in the back of uh, of um, Dallas Frazier's Dallas Frazier's mind. mind. Yep. Yeah, just as a rhythmic as a thing. Trigger or you know something I mean? like interesting. That. That's really so, interesting. Anyway, I got to stump the genius. You want to do it? Or okay, you got yeah, some facts? What do you want to do? I, I got a couple. Throw some um, facts and then we'll stump it. Just uh, one of the one of the songs that one of my favorite Oak Ridge Boys songs, and we talked a, a little bit uh, with William Golden about this because he sang lead on it. You know, we mentioned the baritone don't often get the lead, but he sang on a Oak Ridge Boys song that gets played a lot at Christmas. It's not a Christmas song, but it's called "Thank God for Kids." Oh and yeah, it's got That's a Santa Claus line in it, which is why I think it gets, and it's very like. Um, you know, sentimental and it kind of feels like string. Christmas. It feels like Christmas to me. It feels like Christmas Eve driving home from grandmother's house. You know, but uh, but it now as a dad, I can't listen Tears to this. Like, like it kills me. But here's the beginning of it, and the first line I think is why it gets played as Christmas. But it's got all those strings. It kind of has that classic sound, you know. But this is William Lee Golden on lead vocals. Oh, it just started snowing somehow in here. Have you ever thought there wouldn't be no Santa Claus? Or look what the store just brought. Thank God for kids. This has been covered by everybody. And we'd all live in a quiet house without Big Bird or a Mickey Mouse. Kool-Aid on the couch. Thank God for kids. Kool-Aid on the couch. So many copyright things in these lyrics. It's awesome. A special kind of sunshine and a smile. 
Anyway, you get that on my so radio it, with it, me in the car just it, by myself. Forget it. Snotting his nose out. Yeah, it's funny. The song went triple platinum and they made negative money because of all the copyright infringements. <laughs> <laughs> Mickey Mouse. Kool-Aid, Mickey Mouse. Sesame Street. Kool Aid. Santa Claus Santa popping Claus, in. How dare you, Saint sir? Saint Nick sending him a <laughs> lump of coal. That's awesome. Uh, okay, let's uh, stump the genius. Then I got one more thing I want to cover. Let's stump the genius. Stump the genius. Stump the genius. Stump the genius. Your part. All right, we're going to play uh, Stump the Genius Edition. Name that beard. All right, so <laughs> okay. these are people with famous beards. Okay. All right, so I've got six that I'm going to give. Let's put, uh, what do you think, five seconds each? 30, 30, 35 seconds? You want to do 35 okay. seconds? Let's sure. do 35 seconds. Um, I'm trying to give I got this. No, let's go hard. Let's give me 25 seconds. No, 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 no. You don't think so? No, let's do 30. We'll, okay. we'll go to 30. All right. 30, 30 seconds. Here we go. We're going to do that. It's five seconds each. Um, Name that beard. There's right, six of them. Count me down. All right, ready and go. Sixteenth president, honest, Abraham big Lincoln. head. Yeah, uh, Wolverine, greatest showman. Yep, uh, ZZ Top guitar player, not Dusty Hall, but the other one. Um, uh, Dusty Hill, Billy Gibbons. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Greek mythology, God of Sky, Father of All Gods and Zeus? Humans. Yep, yep. Uh, California mountain man, trained bears. Um, sh- uh, show on Netflix has the same last name. Snapping fingers. Uh, 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 you're talking about is he is he fictitious? Yeah, uh, kind of past b- b- bear uh, in the big b- no uh, uh, protagonist in J.R. Uh, Tolkien's Hobbit, Lord of the Rings, Wizard Ian Gandalf. Yeah, Gandalf. Yeah. Let's go oh, back to the other one. Okay. Uh, uh, is it? Did he have the ox named Bear? Is that the guy? Paul no, Bunyan? No, not Paul Bunyan. No, okay. uh, oh, man, uh, uh, I can't think. Of what like the get. Brawny Man. There's a Memphis team that is named the Grizzlies. Yeah. Oh, Grizzly Adams. Grizzly Adams. Ah, yes. oh, okay, dude. There we go. Barely made it. I'm not sure we did. I think I set my timer for 35 <laughs> for <seven> minutes. minutes. <laughs> I, think, I think this is a long 30 seconds. That's right. We'll give ourselves credit. Ring that bell. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Grizzly Adams took us a minute. Uh, Grizzly, yeah, that was that was a tougher one. A little far back in the should have looked at more facts. So that Grizzly Earth Adams did have a beard. You should have said Lee Trevino. Um, Lee, Lee Trevino in in Happy Gilmore. Right, that's his line. Grizzly Adams did have a beard. Oh, I forgot yeah. that. I, yeah, I didn't know that line. So. Anyway, I do love Happy Gilmore, Chubbs. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna play one more thing. Uh, obviously, you- uh, Elvira has been covered, you know, a lot of times. Um, but this is a cover that I hoped you didn't know about. Okay. Yeah. I- but I I assumed that you would because of what it is. Okay. In 2018, the Tennessee Titans. Okay. Had the Oak Ridge Boys record the titans code of conduct in the style of elvira no clue Never so this is the 2018 version <laughs> by the oak ridge boys it is called titans code of conduct <laughs> okay world. this is awesome so here we go band sounds great yeah. band's popping code of conduct. <laughs> code of conduct. maybe i have heard this I guess they would play this in the yeah. stadium. I remember this is like yes. small tidbits to help you avoid shame. Make sure 
That sounds like a 500 season. That sounds like, <laughs> sounds like a hopes right, here for a we playoff go. run. Here's the umpapas. Tighten up. Papa, be on your best behavior. Tighten up. That goes for kids and teenagers. All right. Touchdown Titans, hooray. Titans, hooray. That's not, it's not quite as legendary as the Scott Stapp song for the Marlins. That's right. But we played that. But it's pretty up there. Yeah. It's pretty up there. That's good. That's good. All right. Uh, that's going to hey do Hey, guys, it. and we're about to hang out. We haven't even finished uh, no. finish this. That's fun. right. That's going to do it for our coverage, but we're going to go talk to one of them boys. That's right. One of them Oak Ridge boys himself, William Lee Golden. I thought his name was Bill forever because, I mean, and obviously Bill is short for William Golden, but there's a Ray Stevens song called The Haircut Song. Okay. And it's it's about like I was out of town and I had to get a haircut away from my regular barber and I got all these bad haircuts. Okay, that's the gist of the song. And so he... Uh, He's talking about one of these barbers that he had. It was basically like a Nazi, and he had a shaved head. And he's like, his head was so shaved, he made Kojak look like Bill Golden. That's what he says. And so Kojak is the guy from Telly Savalas, Savalas, TV in the 70s, super shaved head, you know. Um, But he said this guy's guy's hair was so short, he made Kojak look like Bill Golden. And so for my whole life, I thought his name was Bill Golden, but it's it's William Lee. But I thought he went by Bill Uh because of Ray Steven. But no, he's just making a joke. A little shorthand. All right, let's go talk to William Lee, Bill Golden. Uh, and uh, we'll be back at the end to tuck you in. This is the Great Song Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, as promised, we are here with the one and only William Lee Golden of the Oak Ridge Boys and the Goldens and a few other things that we're going to talk about along the way. Uh, William, thank you so much for joining us today on the Great Song Podcast. It's an honor to have you. Well, man, I'm happy to be on the Great Song Podcast here with you. It's, uh, you know... We were speaking earlier here that uh, I just arrived up here in Hartville, Ohio, at the Hartville Kitchen here with my family. And uh, what we're doing is uh, Hartville, they have a lot of uh, music and, you know, they feed people and uh, entertain them here. So I'm here with my family band and we'll be playing a show here tonight. So uh, Excellent. it's good. What kind of what 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 size band are you bringing along with you on the road with these with this group? Well, uh, two of my sons play music. Chris plays, okay. uh, and uh, Rusty plays. Uh, he plays piano and sings harmonies and sings songs. And also, uh, we brought Steve Henson. Uh, Steve's a great musician. Uh, he's played with the greatest country talent around uh, he played with george jones when he was a teenager and he's uh toured with randy travis for several years so uh okay steve henson is with us on steel guitar dobro and slide electric slide guitar so uh yeah it's funny we were just talking to that we were talking with daryl worley earlier he steve henson played on awful beautiful life for him he played uh steel guitar on that that's awesome so it's, yeah. cool. it's cool that he's with you He's with us here tonight, and uh, he also played on all the stuff I did with my family band here with the Goldens, and uh, he's played music with my sons for a long time, and uh, we love Steve Henson, and we also got Eugene Moles, who's uh, an incredible guitarist. Uh, He's from Bakersfield, California, and Eugene, he's uh, also played with all the big, you know, from Merle Haggard on for his great 
talent that he's worked with and played with. And uh, so Eugene's here with us. And uh, then we got, uh, you know, a great drummer. And uh, again, we got about, and I've got, uh, we also have Tim Duncan singing with us here tonight. So we Very have cool. a four part harmony. Okay. And, uh, we've known Tim for a long time too, but, uh, you know, it was during the pandemic that I got together. Uh, we were all sent home and said we were not essential. And after watching negative hate on television news for about three weeks, I had to turn that crap off. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, and I, called the family over my sons and uh we got around the piano and got some instruments out and we started playing old songs that uh that we found comfort in and uh we kept going over more old songs and just kept singing and uh we wound up uh said hey let's uh, go to the studio and call a couple of other friends in and so we got went in in the pandemic and we wound up recording 34 old songs you know gospel songs we did a gospel album we did a classic old country album and then we did a country rock album and uh it's uh classic old songs that uh you know i sang the long and winding road on that one oh, that's and, awesome we did a couple of Eagle songs, and uh, we, my son Chris did Tom Petty's uh, Southern Accent. Rusty did <laughs> Bob Seger's Hollywood Night. So this is music that uh, we as a family enjoyed together throughout my son's growing up. I took my kids to rock and roll shows when I'd be home, and uh, that's uh, kind of how we spent our leisure time. Well, you uh, you mentioned uh, that you did an e that y'all cover an Eagles song. You actually played Far Made with Joe Walsh uh, after the year after your American Vagabond came out. We sure did. Yeah. Uh, that was back uh, in I'm not sure back in the mid '80s, I guess '86 or '87, somewhere during that time period. Now, I love that. And, uh, I, yeah, I love that album. That your first solo album, your version of "Still in the Game," that Steve Winwood song is so good. Yeah, man, I uh, I loved the "Talking Back to the Night" album by Steve Winwood, which had Valerie. And I heard your voice and was your version. I was like, yes. Uh, I mean, that's yeah. awesome. From the from the very first, the "Here's to the Gamblers" line, I'm hooked. <laughs> I'm right there. Yeah. So, well, uh, you know. He's of uh, Joe Walsh is one of my favorite players too. You know, he's an incredible Same for us. person yeah. and uh incredible guitar player and I've always loved him and uh he he actually I got him to do a song with on the Oak Ridge Boys uh album, one of the last ones I did before they voted me out. Uh and then I was gone for a little while, and then they come voted me back in. So uh, it was uh, a song that I recorded with the Oak Ridge Boys. It's uh, featuring Patty LaBelle singing with me. It's called Rainbow at Midnight. Oh, yeah, Rainbow at uh, Midnight, sure. Yeah, yeah well, uh, Joe Cocker had a record of that. And, uh, but yeah, we did Rainbow at Midnight, and Patty LaBelle sang that. It's an incredible voice, and Joe Walsh played 
electric slide guitar on that. Yeah, you're you're no stranger to having good guitar players with you. That first project, I mean, Vince Gill played on "Come On In," and that's before Vince was even Vince. So it's like you sure. you had the uh, the talent before it was even even rocking and rolling yet. That's awesome. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, Vince was uh, on his way up at that time, and. Uh, so, yeah, I was so happy to have him. And Booker T. Jones, yeah. you know, he, he helped produced produce it. that. Yeah, and yeah. Pam Lewis was your publicist. For those that don't know Pam, she helped launch MTV and basically uh, was Garth's co-manager there for a while. So that was that was smart to have Pam uh, get you going there. Yeah, he was, uh, you know, Booker T. at the MGs there. Absolutely. So he was... Uh, also had green onions, but yeah, Booker T is a great guy. He come stayed at the house uh, with us there, and uh, was going over the songs, preparing to go into the studio, recording that American Vagabond album I did back in '86, I guess it was on MCA Records, and uh, but. Then we went to Memphis to record all this stuff and uh, got to know Chad Cromwell, yep. the yeah, drummer. He, and, yeah, he played drums on there. David Cochran and Larry Crane, uh, Jack yeah, Holder, and Carl Marsh. Absolutely. And uh, that, that was a fun time for me, man. And it's just uh, digging back and reaching the stuff that inspires us in life and people that inspire and great songwriters because if it wasn't for the great songwriters we wouldn't have a song to sing because some of us you know i'm basically a harmony singer you know the oak ridge boys uh we're a four-part harmony and each guy gets to take a lead here and there and uh but you wind up uh most of my life i've kind of been the guy singing the baritone harmonies and the oak ridge boys so uh for me to get out and to be together with my family, you know, it was a real, it was a real comforting and rewarding mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually, you know, healing for all of us to be back together. I'm sure it was, especially coming out of that pandemic time, like, a, you know, everybody needed close family at that point. Everybody was trying to hold our loved ones close, you know, when there was so much scary stuff uh, going on. Uh, and we wound up, like I said, we did 34 songs, three albums. And I also uh, wrote a, uh, uh, wrote an autobiography during that time period. And I did an album with the Oak Ridge Boys that Dave Cobb produced with us. And Dave has uh, just won a Grammy for Brandy Carlisle's uh, Song of the Year and uh, Artist of the Year that she won and yeah. uh but dave also produces chris stapleton and uh jason isbell and some of these great talents in nashville that uh you know the high women uh with marion morris he sure. produces uh, them too and uh but yeah dave uh is, he did an album with the oak ridge boys and uh during the pandemic and then i also did the i wrote an autobiography with scott england he helped me write my story and uh if you're uh, uh, if you're referencing behind the beard um uh, rob can ask a beard question to you if you're welcome <laughs> to receive one i'm, I'm curious <laughs> to know you know your beard is legendary uh, i mean we were talking about some of the the great beards in music history and your name's got to be uh, you know among those i've got to know 
Uh, what's the closest you've ever come to shaving it off? Man, uh, I did that before I decided to let it go. And since I let it go, I really haven't. Uh, that's been the last thing that I've wanted to do. So, uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, after it took about three years for my beard to get out to its full length, and it's wow. like a tree, you know, it's <laughs> the tree will only get so tall, and that's how tall the tree gets. But uh, <laughs> it's kind of like your beard; it only gets so long, and that's it. And you can but, tell by uh, looking at the rings inside it how long it took it to grow. <laughs> uh, do you have a Do you have a beard it, care routine that you follow? Do you do conditioners well, and stuff like that? You know, you find out. I found out. You know, you uh, you find out that uh, basically every whisker you got is almost a different length. Right. Uh, there are some that want you know the little uh, beards around your mouth and you face there some of them they won't get long they get they stay real short but uh and that's not trimming it you know but they just stay that it's a natural thing gotcha. and it was i was amazed at, at the naturalness of how you don't have to shave or trim your beard or anything <laughs> like that and, uh, and i have not trimmed my beard in uh, what 42 years wow, that's, that's amazing you're making so many people jealous with that beard <laughs> that's man. great I just, I just gotta tell but you. it don't get any longer it just gets whiter <laughs> <laughs> so, so now you're from bruton alabama but tell me you're a tennessee vols fan are you a sports fan or are you a are you a crimson well tie? i love you know when i was in high school in bruton uh i played football Okay. And I've always loved football and, uh, you know, family going to Auburn and Alabama, you know, is always competitive, uh, even in families. <laughs> uh, so Alabama is about football. And I played football in high school. My brother, my little brother was even a better player than I was. So, you know, I was singing in the FFA quartet and stuff like that in high school. And uh, my brother was a football player he had all the colleges after him and uh but he was all state player his junior and senior year oh wow so, uh, that's pretty rare for, even in alabama and uh but i didn't get any offers uh, hey and the music I'm, world is happy about it you landed <laughs> you landed where you need to be we're all we have no problem with you being uh, on this side of the uh, but, uh, yeah, I love singing, man, and it's uh, something that I've enjoyed, and uh, I developed a love for it when I was a little kid, and uh, uh, I learned to play and sing when I was real young, and I was pulled to it at a magnetic force that uh, wherever this music playing, I wanted to be close to it, and uh, and that's where uh, being on the road, you know, singing with the Oak Ridge Boys uh, I figured that uh, singing harmony with great singers, uh, surround yourself by great talents, you'd maybe go further than I could go with my limited talent. Yeah, well, you guys have certainly come a long way. And like you said, you've, you've bridged a lot of gaps. Like even, you know, you're talking about the music you're singing now with your sons. Um, but the, the Oak Ridge boys have done some of that as well. You guys, you know, started out in the Southern gospel, uh, realm and made that big yeah. transition into, uh, into country music with that four part harmony style. Um, and you know, I just remember, uh, growing up having, 
eight tracks or whatever it was, just kind of on repeat. The Oak Ridge Boys, my, my dad, I grew up with my dad playing bass in Southern Gospel groups my whole life. So, you know, you wow. guys were a big, big part of my early sound, uh, you know, growing up. Uh, I'm curious to know when you guys made that transition uh, to go, you know, to go kind of mainstream country uh, about maybe the, the flack that you received, if you did, from your core audience who had been with you all those years yeah. in the Southern Gospel world. How was that um, for you guys? Well, uh, some of the old established uh, gospel promoters, actually, they kind of uh, turned on us when it was we, our hair got too long and we added a band. We, we took a band on the road with us. We had a rock and roll drummer. And, you know, that was before it was kind of accepted in gospel music. Today, you got great little rock bands yeah. playing gospel music but uh, back then we were not a gospel we were not a rock band but we had you know gospel music pulls every form of music sure. is uh, gospel music is and whether it's classical or pure country or bluegrass you know there was a bluegrass song we sang with the uh, with the uh, what Darren and Brooke Aldridge, the uh, duo, bluegrass duo, uh, we did that. The Oaks did, sang a song with them called uh, Getting, Getting Ready. It's a song that Jimmy Fortune with the Statlers had written. and uh, But that became a, a number one gospel in bluegrass for like five months. Wow. Uh, this past year, I think, or the year before. And uh, we did that... Uh, with them and but yeah we still uh get out there and play and sing when we can and we've been fortunate we've had a long illustrious career and uh you know there's been ups and downs but uh this year the Oak Ridge boys are celebrating 50 years of wow this, that's awesome since these four right just you guys, got the, together yeah. yeah i guess the original group started in the Late forties, early fifties. Yeah, yeah. I joined in nineteen sixty-five, and uh, then Dwayne, we hired him in sixty-six, and uh, about a year and a half later, after I joined the group, and then after that, uh, in seventy-two, I think I hired, I called Richard Sturban to come join the Oak Ridge Boys, and then the next year in seventy-three. Uh, called Joe Bonzel to come. Well, I joined in 65 now, and uh, again, I was able to play on some all-night singers with a, with a group that I was had put together. And uh, I was working at a paper mill at the time. You know, I grew up on a farm down there in South Alabama, cotton and peanut farming. And uh, But there was music around our home always. My granddaddy was a fiddle player, and my mother taught my sister and myself how to play instruments. But, and again, in high school, singing in the FFA quartet, that led me to be able to be, uh, to want to sing in quartets. And uh, so that's, uh, I went to Nashville and talked to Smitty Gatlin and told him, because they had made a change in their group about six months prior to me joining them. And the guy that they had hired, uh, I didn't think it quite fit the group. And I went mm -hmm. to 
Smitty that uh, if they ever had another open and I'd like to try to uh, I'd like the opportunity to try out singing with them. And uh, a couple of months later, he called me and said, "You're still in the market." He said, "Are you still interested in uh, you still interested in trying out sing with the Oak Ridge Boys?" I said, yeah. He said, oh, we're in the market for a baritone singer. I said, well, when when can I? He said, uh, we'd like you to come up here Monday. And uh, that was a day or two before I took off. Told the people in uh, the paper mill that I'd uh, be back in a couple of days. And uh, I drove to Nashville. It was a blizzard. Oh my goodness! Uh, all, oh my goodness! All the way there, and I'll never forget that. But, uh, but I kept going, man, all the way, and uh, through the blizzard, got there and and tried out. And uh, these guys uh, said, "Yeah, man, uh, we want you in the group." I said, uh, "When can?" You? I said, "Well, when you need me." They said, "Well, we need you this weekend." We'll be leaving in three days. I said, okay. So I left, went back to Bruton, uh, told the people at the paper mill. I turned in my notice, told them I'll take a t my two-week vacation now. And uh, I left and uh, come back to Nashville. And uh, that's when I joined the Oaks and then about six or eight months later, I moved my wife and three little boys up to Nashville. <laughs> it was when we got together with Jim Halsey in Oklahoma uh, that managed Roy Clark at that time, and Mel Tillis, and uh, Minnie Pearl, and some of those people that Jim Halsey was managing. And he uh, took the Oak Ridge boys uh, to manage us and he had come to see us at a record label showcase in Nashville and told us after we had performed, said, guys, y'all are three minutes away from being a household name. Mm, said, wow. Really? So he said, yeah, all you need is one record and you'll be a household name. Yeah. And, uh, and so that turned out to be the truth. He said he would like to help us achieve that. And uh, so we had a handshake and we've uh, he's managed the Oak Ridge Boys for since 1975. Wow, man! I got to ask you about one thing that I feel like is going to kind of tie together a lot of what you talked about today, especially um, you know singing and making music with your sons, and that's one of the my favorite Oak Ridge Boys songs uh, that you actually sang lead on, and that would be "Thank God for Kids." Um, I, I was listening back through just preparing for the interview and that was a song that I don't think I had heard in my adulthood. I heard it as a child and I, and I knew the song. And then when I heard it, it was one of those things that just started flooding my brain with memories and emotions. And I'll kid you not like on the way up this morning, I was listening to it and I was just like crying on the, on the highway while I was driving, uh, cause the song hit me so hard. And uh, yeah. now, now hearing it with kids of my own and hear, you know, from that perspective, um, you know, yeah. what's a song like that mean to you now after all these years? Well, again, like it's like the song is done for you. It's done the same thing for me. Uh, Eddie Raven wrote the song. Oh, okay. 
And uh, Eddie wrote it about seven or eight years before we recorded. He had it on an album of his. He brought it to us when we were doing our first Christmas album. He said, guys, this may not be a regular Christmas song, but I think it fits this project. And he was right. It was more than a Christmas song. It is, yeah. They, uh, the label, we recorded the song, and the label decided to release it as a single at Thanksgiving to promote the Christmas album. Christmas came and went. The little song kept going up the charts. It was late in January, 1st of February, it was number one country song. So uh, mm-hmm. to have a song that says, thank God for kids to be a country hit, that's a, a wonderful day. Yeah, that's very cool. Well, this has been a lot of fun, William. You've been awesome. So this is uh, there's one question that we ask everybody, and then we'll let you uh, enjoy the rest of your day. So you're, let's say you're on tour, either with the Goldens or with the Oak Ridge Boys, and you go into a gas station. What is your gas station snack food of choice? And while you're thinking of your uh, gas station snack food of choice, I'll tell you mine. I get a Three Musketeers bar. Uh, when I was growing up, my mom would say you could have any candy bar you want, and it's the most ounces. What's uh, what is uh, your gas station snack food of choice? Oh man, it's uh, you know those little uh, yeah the 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 sickle with the chocolate covered and peanuts on it and all that oh, stuff. Okay, there yeah. we go. Popsicle, okay, yeah, with the ice cream. Yeah. yeah, I love those. There we go. And I also love ice cream sandwiches. Oh, me too, oh, man. Now you're speaking my language. I know uh, <laughs> you've got some Oak Ridge tie-ins. Being part of the Oak Ridge Boys, Mayfields has the best ice cream. I love me some Mayfields. They're from East Tennessee out there. Um, so that's good stuff. Well, this has been great, and uh, thanks for all you've done for music and all you're going to continue to do. Okay. Thank you guys for letting me be on your podcast. You're Thank welcome. you so much. Thank we you. appreciate it's it. It's been a blast. Thank you. Bye. Cheers. Bye-bye. This is the Great Song Podcast. That was William Lee Golden of the Oak Ridge Boys. Happy Halloween, folks. Happy Halloween. We hope your candy hunt goes well tonight or your trunk or treat or whatever thing you're doing tonight. (laughs) Hallelujah Um, nuts. (laughs) Only in the South. Uh, So, yeah, we hope everything's going good. Hope you enjoyed our coverage of Elvira and uh, very cool to get to talk to one of the members of one of the legendary country groups, period. Yeah. Like, and Southern Gospel groups. Absolutely. They're on the Mount Rushmore. Of both of those things, yeah, probably. probably, yeah, probably, right. At least, arguably, you talk about country g- vocal groups, yeah. um, and Southern gospel vocal yeah. groups. They are sort of, um, I challenge anywhere seminal for both. Yeah, anywhere in this state that you go, if you ask anybody, have you heard of the Oak Ridge Boys? Oh God, everybody's going to say yes. Yeah, in Tennessee, you're not. I mean, they live. Blocks d- down yeah. from you. You see their bus all the time yeah. when they're not traveling. Maybe we'll take a picture with their bus. Yeah, we'll just go by. Um, so yeah. Anyway, we'll find we'll find William Lee Golden's ears in his bus. Um, <laughs> uh, all right, take that out. No, that no, no won't make any sense. All right, um, all right. So happy Halloween. Uh, we we dropped this a day early for you so you could listen on Halloween and get your get your spook on with this scary scary on. song That's by the Oak Ridge right. Boys. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, see you guys next time with another great song on the Great Song Podcast. Until then, I'm Rob. I am JP. Go listen to some music.